Hello everyone, welcome to They're Not Cousins, a 90s anime podcast by three ladies who love anime but are bad at watching it. I'm Josie. I'm Allie. And I'm Cassie. We are in episode two, and I wanted to start out by saying, you know, I listened to the first episode, I'm not obsessive or anything, but uh, I have to say this time around, we're not going to start like begging for sponsors with this episode, okay? But you know, if like Viz wants to sponsor us, that we could, that'd be cool. You think Viz is going to sponsor us? <laughs> Why not? I mean, who else would? Wow. Oh my gosh. So we'd be, they'd be like showing an episode of uh, Firefighter Academia or whatever it is. And all of a sudden it's just like, hey, listen to this podcast about cheese cats. Yeah. I mean, people are way into podcasts now. They could get some new viewership. Exactly. And I don't know what line item Viz has for alternative media as part of their sponsorship opportunities, but I feel like a podcast that is on one of their most high-profile properties really should be on that list. Oh, dang. Allie, you have really turned me around on this. That was such a professional delivery. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'd buy it. All right, fine. Then I guess we're begging for sponsorship from Viz, but nobody else, okay? We're going to wait until at least episode three before we start peddling mattresses and toothbrushes. That market is completely oversaturated. I mean, as much as I love listening to podcasts about what's happening in NASA, what's happening in the world, they're already trying to sell me deodorant. I don't think that that's really what we're after. There might be a market for like bad deodorant there are some really good companies out there peddling really good smells but maybe it's deodorant for like defensive purposes deodorant for cats oh that's an untapped market i mean my cat does smell see we already have our first customer oh wow okay perfect this is (laughs) this is how we're gonna make money is by selling cat deodorant (laughs) to cassie specifically we need somebody who is going to give us a positive review yeah you need someone who also is listening to this podcast well, we know that as of right now, there were at least three people. Oh my gosh, we have three listeners now? Three people who are not us. Wow, I feel like that's pretty good for episode two. Yeah, and as soon as we record other episodes, those people who really just like to binge listen to podcasts, uh, we'll have them on board. I think what we really need to corner is the market of people who like listening to the same episode over and over and over and over again. Probably people in insane asylums. Yeah. <laughs> The anime fans who have been institutionalized. (laughs) You have to imagine that's a pretty large segment of the population, right? Mm. I mean, you watch 300 episodes of Dragon Ball Z and that's just where you end up. I feel like that is a sign of mental instability that you just kept watching Dragon Ball Z hoping something would happen. Oh, I mean, that was me. I was I was mostly in it for Trunks because Trunks is the best. I'll confess, that was me too. Ah, yes! Like... Come on, Goku, I know you can get to Super Saiyan one of these episodes. <laughs> I think he got to Super Saiyan. I think there were, I think that happened. Yeah, like 40 episodes later. I have absolutely no comment because I, <laughs> I, I never got into watching Dragon Ball Z because I knew that it wasn't worth my precious time as a teenager. You are absolutely right, but I am glad that <laughs> Cassie and I can commiserate at the very least. I will say, no matter what we say in terms of sponsors or money, we are not in this for the money. I want to reassure our three listeners, we are in this to keep ourselves occupied while society crumbles apart around us. Exactly. Yay! Cassie, how about you start us off by reading the officially sanctioned plot synopsis for episode two of Sailor Moon? This time on Sailor Moon, episode two, punishment awaits! The House of Fortune is the monster mansion. (gasps) A new House of Fortune opens in the Juban district and quickly gains popularity for its accurate predictions. But soon the customers who had their fortunes read began to act violently, including Umino, a boy who has a crush on Usagi. Oh, yeah, that plot point I'm excited to talk about. But uh, Mm. let's get into this episode. I'm very excited to actually tell people what actually happened. (laughs) Not just what Viz wants you to think happened. Sorry, sorry, Viz, I take that back. We would still like your money. Oh, right. Yeah, we're doing that. Okay. (laughs) It's fine. I'll edit it out. I'll edit it out. I will definitely edit this part out. (laughs) 
Okay, so in this episode, we start with exposition of the astrological variety. We find out that Usagi is a cancer with Ooh. blood type O. Her birthstone is a pearl, and her favorite humor is yellow bile. Also, she has some great essential oils she can sell you. They'll definitely cure your anxiety and your eczema. Yeah, absolutely. All she has to do is sell her product to three other people, and then they sell their product to ten other people, and then Usagi will have a million yen. And ignore the fact that all the product is hanging out in their very, very small Japanese garage. It's going to move one day. Just give it time. And to Cassie's point, it definitely will cure your eczema, and that is something we know Umino has. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I know that you're like standing Umino, um, <laughs> but that is my that is my like take on him. Well, no, and I totally agree. And I stand Umino. I will admit it. This is going to be a complicated episode for you, Allie. <laughs> it is. I have feelings. Oh boy. I have feelings, bitch. This exposition turns into basically a recap of episode one, which uh, that's our job, Usagi. Back off. We covered it. It was like an hour and a half. Listen to the podcast, Usagi, please. We need (laughs) listeners. Like, how could you even have forgotten? (laughs) I know. We recorded that like two weeks ago, but... (laughs) Kind of like two months. (laughs) Oh, no. I know. Time is meaningless in quarantine. Oh, man. I hope that is not topical by the time that people are listening to this. A thing that I have to mention, the cheese cat has a name. They (gasps) name dropped Luna in the episode synopsis. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah, she never gets like a proper introduction. But you know, that's okay. I mean, does she need one? She is a cat from the moon. She is made of cheese. She is made of cheese. Like that right there is your introduction, Luna. We could name her Cheesy, but I think Luna's more appropriate. Yeah, I think I think what actually happened, the writers at Sailor Moon forgot to give her a name until episode two. They were like, oh, this is a cat, whatever. Cats have names. People will figure it out. They'll name it Cheesy. Yeah, because this is once again, another instance of the creators of the anime not reading the manga. Oh, God, is that a thing that happens? Of course it is. And it's going to happen a lot in Sailor Moon. Like, you expect that 200 episodes of a show is going to be going really faithfully against what happened in the manga. Yeah, the manga's not that long. It's not. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Wait, is this a Naruto? Are we watching a Naruto right now? Yeah. A little bit. We're watching, like, original Naruto. Middle school me would be so excited. (laughs) An adult you should also be excited. Believe it! Speaking about names, though, I am wondering when we're going to find out that Queen Beryl's dragon skull throne is named Gerald. I'm hoping it's before, like, episode nine. You have to call him by his actual title, which is Sir Gerald the Bitey. He's our savior. He's He is the one who will save us from this manga inaccuracy. He is the one. Sailor Bitey. He just bites people. I'm actually surprised that Usagi doesn't bite more than she does, actually. We haven't seen her bite a single person. It's also only episode two. Like, we have 198 episodes to go. There could be biting. She becomes a cannibal. Yeah, Ali, spoilers. Damn it, spoilers. spoilers. Oh, shit. I have heard good things about the cannibal arc. It's very, um, very inspirational for The Walking Dead, from what I've heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're very faithful viewers of Sailor Moon. Which is... Ironic, because the people who make the show aren't reading the manga, but the people who wrote The Walking Dead, they have watched every episode of Sailor Moon. Yeah, because we talk about me being an Umino stan. Stan? Stan. (laughs) Yeah, he's got the Japanese pronunciation accurate. (laughs) I'm just gonna slink off into the bush like Homer Simpson. Did you say flink? (laughs) Slink. Flink. That's the Japanese pronunciation is flink. We pull into a shot of the Juban district, apparently, Mm -hmm. and it is a very nice city. There are a bunch of women who are all running to meet their black market stick dealer, Mm -hmm. which I just have to say, (laughs) it's a sad day when the only place women can get good quality sticks is from a guy on the street. Yeah, you got to get down that alley, get those secret sticks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could be asking Cassie right now what those sticks are, but I think (laughs) I I like the idea of them being illicit sticks instead. (laughs) They're just like fortune telling things. Usually there's stuff written on them and they pull out a stick and it tells your fortune. Okay, and then you get high or is that like... Yeah, then you smoke the stick 
And that's how you get your fortune. Oh, it says good fortune. You better smoke it so you can inhale your good fortune. Exactly. And then just like ayahuasca. (laughs) Oh, my God. You have a vision. (laughs) We were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold. Sorry, Allie, I know that you are so knowledgeable about everything. I did not expect this to be one of your um, categories of expertise. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, as a librarian, it's important for me to be a generalist. Yeah, you have to smoke the books. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, how are you going to get the knowledge? That's how you learn. You burn the knowledge and inhale it, and that's how you learn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what these people want from the stick guy, and that's why he has a line going all the way down the street. In that line, we also see Jadeite, <gasps> who is rocking the sparkly ruby earring of evil and the unflattering trench coat of cruelty. And the green sclera of sexy. He's so incognito. Like, I don't know that anyone would ever notice him on the street in that getup. Not at all. Everyone else is wearing like a light jacket and he's like, hat, coat, mittens, gloves, scarf. (laughs) He's ready to go sledding. (laughs) But yeah, he has an internal villain monologue, which is more of an internal villain sentence fragment. (laughs) (laughs) Foolish humans. I do love when he touches his glasses and they gleam. And it goes like, oh, yeah, it's the Ikari Gendo school of being the most shitty villain possible. (laughs) Oh, no. Does Jedi have a son? He probably does. And the son will not get in the fucking robot. I would get in the robot. (laughs) I think we all would. (laughs) That's a Neon Genesis Evangelion joke for anybody out there who has no idea what just happened. (laughs) The super obscure anime (laughs) Neon Genesis Evangelion. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow. We get a shot of Queen Beryl sitting on her throne, and we get another check-in with the worst support group ever. No. <laughs> Did they find the Dragon Balls? No. no. <laughs> They're doing really great, guys. Really, really great. We're going to top off everyone's coffee, do some lackluster self-affirmations. It's going to be a good meeting. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> Did I just get fired from the call? <laughs> Yeah, you did. No. You did. We have a very strict rule about when we say no. <laughs> um, Beryl tells him to go get her some human energy while she finishes building a rock in her very evil Animal Crossing town. You know, Halloween is coming up. She's got to make it look nice. As I'm sure you've heard, the legendary silver crystal has not been found. So I want energy to be harvested from humans instead. Before Jedi can say anything, we are back at Usagi's house. You guys remember Usagi in Usagi. the Chinese Zodiac? She's a rabbit and her thetan levels are off the no. charts. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> oh. <laughs> guys, we're not doing the cult meeting this week. That's oh, next shit. week. All right. Well, we, I guess we remember Usagi. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> then you probably also remember how she is late for school again. Always. Always. I want to be with you. And make believe. One of these days, we will get her an alarm clock that works. Her alarm clock works. Luna even, like, smacked her on the head to wake her up, just like my cat does. Yeah, I was gonna say, Mm. she's got everything working for her. She has a cool, weird chicken alarm clock. She has a magical cheese cat who is laying on her face in order to wake her up. Mm. She has everything going for her, and she still can't wake up. It's already past eight? Usagi gets up, runs off to school, and it is really good for me to see that the Yu Yu Hakusho crossover is continuing as Kurama takes roll call, (laughs) and Usagi goes in (laughs) under enemy lines. Yeah, she's like, oh no, gotta avoid fire from (laughs) U-boats. She definitely is, but then the teacher can literally see her as she is crawling down the middle of the classroom. You know, she didn't go to spy school, okay? She doesn't understand how to be sneaky. Yeah, that comes later in life. She doesn't have zombie training. She doesn't have Vietnam War training. She is not ready for any of this. No, in in season three, she joins the army. Whoa. Is that before or after the cannibal arc? Uh, during. Oh, that makes sense. I should have guessed that. Training doesn't go well. Spoilers, Cass. God. Hey, no spoilers or I delete your email. We've gone over this. Usagi is uh, caught by the teacher immediately and then is sent into the hallway. There's no mention of food at this time. Like, she's not eating her lunch. She's not doing anything. So I really, really hope she has a go-gurt slipped up her sleeve. (laughs) Yeah, tube yogurt. (laughs) 
Where can you go wrong? I don't see a single place. I mean, unless you have a lot of them up your sleeve and then you can't move your arms and people start to question what happened to your arms, why they're so puffy. And I guess you could say it's eczema. You know, you can't see my face, but all this Gogurt talk is making me make that very <laughs> sad face. Yes, yeah, so you're not a fan of Gogurt? Look, you've never seen Gogurt spewing out of tubes, rubbed all over preschoolers' faces, all over the table, Gogurt everywhere. It's horrible. Oh no. That's what happens when you work with children. Wow. I thought you were watching some really weird movies, but yeah, no, you're talking about... <laughs> no. Real life Gogurt. So what we're saying is we will never have Gogurt as a sponsor. Gogurt not sponsored. No, hashtag extremely not sponsored. Yeah, hashtag never sponsored. Stay away from us. <laughs> the pain is real. Regardless of our sponsorship status with Gogurt, we get a brief scene <laughs> Uh, where Umino is hanging out with Usagi in the hallway uh, while she's in trouble. And this is the beginning of a plot line, which caught me completely off guard. Umino has a crush <laughs> on Usagi. What? Whoa, whoa, what? what? This was this caught me off guard. And I found out the reason why is because this episode was cut by Deke entirely. It was never aired as part of the American broadcast, which, speaking as someone who has watched it all the way through, may not have been a terrible decision on Deke's part. Yeah. 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 Based on the um, the age range that the Deke dub was going for, they really didn't want to inspire delinquency in America's youths. This episode is basically about child anarchy. <laughs> but we will get there. Before we can talk about that, though, there's a weird cut where we see Naru just running and running and running. And I'm like, where are you going, Naru? Where were you? Are you late for school? I can't tell. But no, she runs up to Umino, who is sulking next to a tree, which pretty much summed up my middle school experience. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but trees are great. They don't make fun of your jinkos or spit in your hair. Yeah, you know, we spend a lot of time next to that big tree in the playground. That is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, no, it, it definitely tracks for our experience. I don't know how uh, how common this would have been in a Japanese school child's experience versus what we experienced here. Cassie, any thoughts on that? Uh, like, how often kids are standing by a tree? Is that what we're yeah, asking? Yeah, you lived in Japan. Yeah. Our, uh, my school didn't have a tree, so. Wow. Whoa. Wow. That's depressing. That's grim. Yeah. We just had a big field for sports. Just so we're clear, there are trees in Japan, right? Oh, yeah, there's trees in Japan. Just not at my school. Yeah, they just didn't want them getting near the children. <laughs> They're very mm. dangerous. I mean, that's where cats live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I did say it, and I am not taking it back. I have no regrets. <laughs> getting back to the scene, uh, Naru tells Umino that he is a total scrub, and that Usagi, the girl who is flunking the seventh grade and gets fashion advice from her cat, has way higher standards, which is pretty harsh. I don't know if this is just because of all the fan fiction I read back in the 90s. Uh, oh, God, Allie, just give it oh, give it to oh, me. Yeah, I yeah. want it all. <laughs> I don't know if this is a real thing or if this is just what the 90s Sailor Moon fandom wanted. Uh, but I have distinct memories of Umino and Naru getting together. Okay. No, they, they do. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. So, like, I really stand that relationship. You do? <laughs> I do. They're both good kids. And Umino would treat Naru well. You think so? <laughs> I think so. I mean, this episode isn't probably the best example of what Umino would do for Naru. <laughs> no. But I, I feel really strongly that this is the seeds of their eventual relationship. Behind those weird, weird spirally glasses is a warm and loving heart who wants to exchange diaries with you that is pretty cute although i don't know what is he writing in his diary i feel like it's mostly math problems right yeah i can see the x plus y equals love blossoming here (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that should be one of the album names in jade 16 cd set yes Uh, do you guys remember that weird made for tv boy band movie that was like (gasps) yes you Plus sign, me, equal, equal sign, sign, us. us. 
Oh, no. I think I was too busy watching Goof Troop or something. <laughs> what was this? What happened in this? Uh, they tried to make a boy band. I think they succeeded at the end, but one of their songs was like, I know my calculus. It says you plus me equals us. Equals us. Because I know my calculus. But yeah, it was like an MTV movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. And so that is now Naruto's theme, <laughs> is you plus me equals us. It's not even romantic, it's just like grammar. Yeah. It's like he understands pronouns. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he understands pronouns and 90s boy band <laughs> music. He has a very particular set of skills. <laughs> I know my calculus. Naru at this point tells... Umino to go ask a fortune teller how best to capture her best friend's heart, which Cass, I wanted to check in. This has to be a Japan custom thing, right? I feel like I've seen the trope of consulting fortune tellers about matters of the heart in every 90s anime I've watched more than two episodes of. I obviously don't have very much experience with fortune tellers in Japan. It's not something I was like, hey guys, you know where there's a fortune teller? But I think there's a subset of people in Japan, just like there's a subset of people here that gotta go to the fortune teller and see what they say. We do have that trope, I suppose, mm. of the middle class or upper class white lady who won't do anything unless she consults a psychic. psychic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> From my vast experience, that one time I was in Japan, going and visiting a shrine, getting the... Uh, one of the little tokens from a shrine maiden was something mm -hmm. that I saw other tourists as well as Japanese people doing. So it very well could be more widespread. In Japan, generally what you do is on New Year's, when you go to get your fortune for the new year, people go like at midnight for the first visit of the year. There's different things like you can pull a stick, maybe you get a piece of paper. There's some sort of thing that happens where you get your fortune for the year. And then they have the lucky numbers posted and they also have the bad numbers posted and bad ages. So if you're turning a certain age during that year, your age might be listed on the board and then you have to go and get purified because this year could be dangerous for you. Huh. And this is a spiritual practice? It's a custom that a lot of people do. Um, I don't know their personal beliefs, Okay. but I think it's part tradition and part belief. Yeah. But it's good to know that they could pull a special stick. That's really what we needed to nail down for this episode. Yeah, it's all about the sticks. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the scene, Umino apparently invented a handheld Tamagotchi game thing that would tell him whether or not he would be a good match with Usagi. I think he's confused and he just made a dating game. It says that Usagi and I are supposed to get married and live happily ever after. But as we all know, algorithms are biased. And if Umino was the person actually programming this thing, then yeah, of course he's going to get Usagi in the end. It's just science. I mean, it's also like making a sim of yourself <laughs> and a sim of your crush and then acting upon what they do because it worked in the game, mm. which sounds like a good idea when you're in middle school, but it turns out people don't actually like it when you flurp a Maguzi. Oh, God. <laughs> Dag dag. Yeah. And and then you ask them to woohoo and they're like, who the fuck are you? Get out of my house. How did you get in? They're like, that gra is fretache. <laughs> also, my stove is on fire. Please leave. <laughs> you like try to talk to them and the house is burning down. And there's no phone in the house, so you can't call the fire department. And there's so many babies and they're all in the pool. <laughs> and there's no ladder. <laughs> Why didn't you put a ladder in? What is wrong with you people? So Usagi encounters this stick merchant that we've been talking about, who is actually a really cool guy. He seems like a, a good hang. He is willing to look at Usagi's hand. He pulls a case-closed magnifying glass out, and based on the amount of gogurt residue that he finds there, he determines that a guy <laughs> is into her, which is great news for Usagi. She assumes it is someone who is not Umino, mm -hmm. presumably. And she runs off to the arcade, where we meet the second blondest Japanese teenager in the show, Motoki. Yeah. Ooh. He is an older man who has a job at an arcade. What's not to love? What was his name in the dub? Andrew. Andrew. It was Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> it was Andrew Hansford. The fact that I remember this from <laughs> having only watched like two episodes is another one of those things from the 90s that it's going to continue to haunt me. I don't, I didn't remember him even a little bit. So I have to assume he falls off a cliff or something in the episode. Well, not this one. 
Well, yeah, that was, I did write that note before I had watched the whole thing, so. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Usagi and Motoki share what is actually a really sweet scene of them playing the Sailor V video game together. Sailor V! I loved Mm -hmm. this scene. It was so sweet. He's like, I'll help you, Usagi. Let's play games together. See? Now that I have My it, heart's it, pounding it, like crazy. I'm in heaven. What I appreciated was Usagi's thumping heart, which reminded me of all of those times as a teenager when I was around somebody that I was crushing on and didn't want them to know. Then hmm. your heart was going doki-doki. It was going doki-doki so hard, but no one would ever know because I didn't want anybody to know I actually had crushes on people. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Luna decides to interrupt the budding young romance and tells Usagi she should go back home and do her homework or maybe eat something other than extreme mobile yogurt pouches. Okay, mom. Yeah, this cat is totally lame. Yeah, come on, cats. I'm having a romance. Exactly. More important than any of that stuff. Usagi is obviously like, nah, I want to get my palms red again. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, the stick guy is gone for the day. He was probably run off by the cops for selling woven hoodies depicting Bugs Bunny enjoying a fat rip off of a twig. But that's neither Mm. here nor there. Don't sell your dirty sticks around here. Get out of here, fortune man. Yep, that's what happened. And so Usagi's only option for immediate relationship advice is the big corporate fortune telling place across the street. That looks like the place that you go to buy all the pencils from the sad orphan children. What? What? <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Am I the only person whose parents as a kid said, you know, you have to go to school, otherwise you're going to be selling pencils on the side of the road? You will become an orphan who has to sell pencils in order to make a living. Was that literally just me? That was just you. That wow. was, yeah, no one else has ever done. That is not like a matchstick girl yeah, I was thing. Say, that it's, is... like a, it's like an alternate universe matchstick girl. Well, okay, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Leave your comments below if you have heard of selling pencils as a comment on this podcast episode or on any one of our socials, because this cannot be me, just me alone. Think, think your parents made up. Ugh. If you haven't heard of this, please rate the podcast five stars to let us know that that is, <laughs> that is your experience with it. Wow. Well, any, anyway, so now that there's this pencil mega mart here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> putting all the orphans out of business. Oh, this poor orphan. <laughs> Oh, God, and that's why those orphans were torturing that cat, because they didn't have any pencils to sell. See? It all comes back around. It all comes back around. And going back around to the episode, (laughs) Usagi needs to decide, am I going to support local business, or am I going to go to this pencil store? And in order to decide that, she slips off her shoe, which, I have to say, it's a strappy little shoe. I love it. It looks so versatile. so adorable. can go with so many different outfits. Yeah, I don't... I don't tend to like a pointed toe, but it really, really works there. Uh, oh, yeah. But we're talking about anime, and <laughs> in this anime, she slips off her shoe and she flips it like you would a coin saying, heads, I do one, tails, I do the other, which is weird to me. Maybe she didn't have a coin. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is just me again, but I know that I flipped other things when I didn't have a coin available growing up when it was... A life or death situation, or life or death question, excuse me. She used all her yens at the arcade. Exactly. Like, you gotta make do with what you have. That's true. I guess I didn't think of that. I I sort of assumed that it was a, um, like, a cultural thing. That I guess it could just be she had to flip something. Yep. I mean, if you believe in fortune telling to begin with, then flipping your shoe is just the next logical step. Absolutely. All right. (laughs) I am now on board for shoe flipping. All right. (laughs) so she kicks off her shoe and wouldn't you know it suit guy from episode one is right in the line of fire again that really hurt and as always he gives usagi some really dumb really condescending words of advice who throws a shoe honestly but usagi shakes it off she is so annoyed by this guy who isn't Matoki that she decides to stomp back home and forgets all about the fortune-telling thing. 
which it's good that those shoes have a nice low heel, which is perfect for expressing your displeasure with a dingus. To be fair, that is how everybody should be choosing their shoes. Not based on how well it goes with their outfit. It should just really be based on how it works when you throw it at somebody. Like, does it have good velocity? Aerodynamics. Uh, Yeah. Um, I didn't take physics, but I do know how to throw a shoe. It's good to know that Allie's ideal shoe is basically just a knife on the back of a sneaker. (laughs) It's true. And I mean, if anybody went to college with me, you know that as soon as something dumb was happening, I would be the first person to take off my shoe and fling it across the room. Yeah, she's a shoe thrower. I am. I will go on the record making that admission. Wow. I mean, no, that'll be good for cons. You know, if we ever, if we're ever the guest at a con Mm. and somebody's like, I want a souvenir, you can just be like, hey, person in the back and then like throw a shoe at them and knock them out. Oh God. I just have to bring like a bag full of flip flops. Yeah. Oh, can we get our podcast name printed on flip flops and then throw them at people at our shows? (laughs) At our live shows. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm totally down for that. Perfect. Perfect. That'll be a Patreon reward. (laughs) Speaking of giving people things, we cut to inside Haru Specs R Us, and it looks like all the ladies buying illegal sticks earlier are coming in to look at some cloud cards instead. Mm. There is a nice lady with really great eyeshadow sitting at a table just handing out cards to people, including Umino, which is really, really nice of her. Yeah. Yeah, she reverse pickpockets him. Yeah. (laughs) And you get a card, and you get a card. Hey guys, want to play Magic the Gathering? It's time to do 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 Ah, yes, tapping that mana. Tap it like a Polaroid picture. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know how to follow that up. It's okay. I understand that this is my lot in life. That's okay. No, you are not the only one who would have gotten that. <laughs> if anybody out there plays Selesnia, please rate the podcast five stars. Um, <laughs> is this now a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic podcast? What the fuck did you just say? Oh, Selesnia. Dear Princess Celestia. I mean, it can be. <laughs> we can do both of these things, but it's going to be a very different audience than I think the three people we already have. Oh, Okay. Going back to the show, because I want us to do this podcast before we start our MLP podcast. No. (laughs) (laughs) That that is the appropriate response. The next scene, we see Usagi running into her dad, who is named Kenji, on her way Mm. home. Did you two know that Usagi had a dad? Because I didn't. I did. Yeah. I didn't remember his name, but I knew he existed. I did. I don't think that I've mentioned it on this episode, but I did come in second place in a Sailor Moon trivia contest a couple weeks ago. Oh, you uh, did. Clap, 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 Thank clap. you. Uh, bow to my superior Sailor Moon trivia knowledge, because this is literally the only thing I got. <laughs> At least you got something. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you can remember the name of like all your cousins. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying, you can't have all this knowledge without giving something up, right? (laughs) Yup. That is Alchemy's first law of equivalent exchange. Speaking of family, I am really starting to doubt that Usagi is actually an anime protagonist because she has all these alive parents that she's got running around. Like, what is that? Yeah, how can she have a tragic backstory if all her parents are alive? This is now, they're not cousins, parent cast, where we're doing a deep dive on who has parents. <laughs> who has got them? Who wants them? Yeah, because I don't remember any of the other characters' parents. Although, mm, I do remember Ami's mom, but we haven't yeah, gotten Yeah, I was going to say, yet. Ami's mom shows up later. Yeah. I remember Ray's, like, grandmother or something. But... Grandfather. Grandfather. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Well, anyway. <laughs> that's, again, a different <laughs> podcast. That is podcast number five. Right. So uh, Kenji and Usagi have a brief conversation where dad acknowledges the work that his wife does and offers to help her out. Well, mom does take care of everything around the house. This is the least I can do. Which is some seriously great dad material here. I love all the people that we're being introduced to. I already forgot the blonde dude's name, Matoki and Kenji. I really love these dudes. They have gentle hearts. Yeah, and I feel like Usagi having parents really just goes to show that she is a normal, everyday teenage girl. If she had a tragic backstory, would she be nearly as relatable? Oh, no. She wouldn't be as likable either, I don't think. Mm. Now, this is some behind-the-scenes information that I half-remember. 
so correct me when I get it wrong, but originally the protagonist of Sailor Moon was supposed to be Sailor Venus, who is the more superhero one, but she wasn't as interesting because Usagi actually has flaws. Well, what happened is that the Sailor V was created first mm. um, as a manga, and that manga didn't make it through... Um, I, I guess I won't go into the whole details of the manga industry, but basically <laughs> it wasn't popular enough to continue. And so then the mangaka goes on to create Sailor Moon and include Sailor V in Sailor Moon. Right. right. But yeah, Sailor V wasn't popular enough, so they're like, maybe if we had more girls. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know what, that's always a good plan. I say we should do that to everything. Add more girls. It's not good, add more girls. Just keep adding them until it turns good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, 90s anime, you're on blast for this. Add more girls. Now, I'm looking at you, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> So we're switching to a different scene now because Kenji and Usagi decide to go home. The next scene, Naru and Usagi are at school and Naru is telling Usagi about Umino's crush on her. Has Umino said anything to you yet? What do you mean about what? That he likes you, like likes you, likes you. Umino shows up in this situation and he has pulled a Stefan Urkel, if anyone else knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> he is wearing a powder blue suit and I guess eating bread as a sign of disobedience because carbo loading is extremely rebellious. Yeah, I love how he just pulls the bread out of his yeah. bag and is like, ha, take that, I'm eating bread. I could choose to answer your question like a normal human being, or I could just eat some bread. <laughs> take that. It's a really stupid looking bread too. It looks like the really crappy bread you get with the school lunch. I was going to say, it looks like a, a small French loaf. Yeah, um, a lot of the school lunches come with this little loaf of bread. And it's not like a baguette. It's not like crispy on the outside. It's basically like a slightly better hot dog roll. As in better that it has like slightly more flavor. But it's still kind of just like a hot dog roll. <laughs> it's a tiny loaf of white bread. Yeah, basically. So oh God! You're you're saying that school kids in Japan basically get the equivalent of what happens on a day when you haven't gone to the grocery store and are finally realizing that you have run out of bread, so you're going to the next best thing and trying to make that seem as if it's a dinner roll. Normally, I would eat this like a sandwich, but all I have is this one sort of old hot dog roll. So here yeah, we go. So I'm just I'm just gonna put some butter on it and maybe a little bit of garlic powder to pretend that it's garlic bread. And all the teachers would like, collect all the uneaten rolls, and then they'd like, give them to one of the teachers to take home. Huh, and that one teacher just loves bread. I don't know. I, they used to give it to my friend Robin, who worked at a different school. She would end up taking all the bread home. And I was like, Robin, <laughs> why do you want that bread? What could possibly make you want to eat that bread? Well, that's the thing. You go to her apartment, and it's just full of these loaves of bread with little faces drawn on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's her friend's. She's like decided to add an addition to the apartment complex and is just using the bread as a building material. Yes. I know the Japanese apartments are tiny. And so the idea of building onto your porch, like building a wall made out of rock hard bread is, I, that's so smart. I need that show on TLC. It's like flipper flop bread edition. <laughs> yes. I love that. Can these flippers make this house work, or are they going to get the rye deal? Ooh. Oh, that's so oh. good. Oh. <laughs> okay, so this is the fun part of the episode where we get to talk about the moment where Umino literally assaults his teacher by flipping up her skirt in front of everyone. Yeah, um, just casual mm. assault. Yeah, yeah, that is really gross, and I hate it. Yep. And hey, show, yep. that's not funny and not cool. Yep. I feel like because we're going to be watching a lot of 90s anime and we're going to run into this kind of thing a lot, we need some kind of demerit system for when a show treats assault <laughs> like a joke or punches down at people. Mm. I don't know what we want to call it, so for now I'm calling it uh, demerits because that's what they are. And guess what? Strike one, Sailor Moon. You're on watch. <laughs> we'll keep track. Yeah, we're going to keep track. Sailor Moon, one demerit for making assault into a joke. Not cool at all. Mm -hmm. 
moving on from that, the cloud card in Umino's coat flashes when he does this, <laughs> as it does in the coat of another kid who later trips the teacher and acts like a total piece of shit. What are you doing, Yuji? I think you'd better learn to walk and talk more quietly in class. So yeah, I guess this episode is just really taking some digs at Cardcaptor Sakura, which is too bad because that show is cute and I hope we cover mm. it someday. I'd be more than happy to. Did it exist yet? Uh, it's a 90s anime for sure. Yeah, I just don't know the time frame of like when Sailor Moon was being produced as to Cardcaptor Sakura. Yeah, uh... So I looked it up real quick, and apparently Cardcaptor Sakura ran from 1998 to 1999, which is surprisingly late. Uh, so I guess, no, this show, <laughs> the show that I am suggesting they are taking digs at did not exist. But it is a 90s anime, so we can review it someday. Yay. Yeah. And that's a show that I actually have not watched. Ooh. Perfect. Because yeah, I know that I've watched it, and you have too, Josie? Yes? I watched it. Kind of the way that I watched Sailor Moon growing up, where I'd see, like, the occasional episode and enjoyed it, but I did start recently rewatching it on Netflix, and mm. I've been enjoying it. It's very cute and, and sweet and fun, so, yeah. I watched it through a couple years back, so I'd be more than happy to actually give it another go. Very, very cool. All right, mm. well, getting back to Sailor Moon, yeah, mm. the cloud cards are glowing, the boys are being just absolute jerks, and Usagi and Naru talk about it outside during a break, at which point they witness a bunch of TCG addicts breaking a window with a baseball, <laughs> and then a bunch of baseballs. Um, why are these kids still at school? I feel like if this happened in my middle school, these guys would have been suspended. <laughs> yeah, it would have amounted to an armed uprising, and then they would have called in the feds. Right, exactly. I don't know they have the feds in Japan. Oh, yeah, I guess oh. that's a long plane ride, huh? I guess they could call in that kid from Case Closed to solve the... There's no real murder. No. We don't need him. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, not murder. No, uh, what's like a murder, but begins with B. Birmingham? We see this scene where the kids are causing this violence, and the lady with the nice eyeshadow is standing outside of the school, which is indicative of the fact that she is the one causing all of this. Mm -hmm. And Jadeite is in a void somewhere behind her, giving us that sweet, sweet evil jazz music. Ah, I love it. Ah, smooth jazz. Mm. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. As everyone has guessed by now, he is collecting that delicious delinquent child energy for Beryl in the middle of this plot about teenage romance, which is a bad look, Jadeite, but it just sounds so smooth, so I can't stay mad. To be fair, he's just doing what was asked of him, okay? He has one job. He knows that if he continues on this path, maybe one day he'll be able to sit atop that throne himself, but, you know, he has to put in his time and put in face at the office, so, you know, he'll get there. And then one day he'll be sitting on Gerald. Exactly. I couldn't remember the name of Gerald, so thank you for... <laughs> thank you for that. It's okay, they didn't introduce it until episode 9 anyway. Oh, good. So, so much for knowing all the trivia. How could you not know about Gerald? I know, right? This is your one blank spot of knowledge, apparently. Oh. I do remember the Gerald arc where we learn about his backstory, and it's just so sad. It must have happened in Super S because I don't remember it at all. Uh, I think it happened during the Christmas episode. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Did they do that for Sailor Moon at any point? Is there like a Christmas movie? I don't think so. I know that there's a Christmas album. Oh my god, yes. Sailor Mars sings Last Christmas. It's amazing. Which is my absolute favorite song. Last Christmas, I gave you my the very next day you gave in away. I'm I am in love with it. Uh that it's is so good. Amazing. Oh. <laughs> I really want to hear the Jadeite smooth jazz Kenny G crossover of White Christmas or something. By Sailor Sars, uh Jadeite unfortunately is long gone. Oh no. Spoilers. I know, spoiler alert. I, I, that's it. Your emails are deleted. They're gone. What? How could you? Yeah. Yep, I hired a hacker. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we don't even have a budget for this thing. No, no, I paid for this out of pocket. Wow. And this guy was expensive. He had a cybernetic eye and like a pink mohawk and he's in <gasps> debt and it's just the whole, the whole thing, the whole shebang. I trusted you. Yeah, well. Slap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stop fighting amongst ourselves and get back to business. <laughs> 
Usagi figures out that everyone being gross and bad went to Cabal Mart before they started being jerks. So she and Luna go to take care of business. We get our transformation scene for the episode. That's over and done with real quick. And then Sailor Moon busts in and gives a speech before our vaguely Eastern European cloud card collector starts throwing them like a less impressive gambit. She's like a hex maniac. Oh, she is. So I guess she's throwing Pokemon cards. Mm. She just wanted to play Pokemon with those kids. But these Pokemon cards are not just shiny, you know, Gengars or Haunters or whatever. They are full-on, sharp, slice dice, make julienne fries kind of Pokemon cards. These are not your set-it-and-forget-it Pokemon cards. Oh no. They make it work. (laughs) (laughs) The fortune teller is also making it work because she's a Medusa now. Gotta reuse those assets from the first episode. That's what I was thinking, too. (laughs) Um, And the army of zombie nice guys start to converge on Usagi, but then Tuxedo Mask, who actually has a name now, shows up for an unbelievably short scene. I mean, that's his deal, though. He's just like, hey, bye. Hey. (laughs) Sup. (laughs) I know, but... But this felt almost like self-parody. It was so short. I literally laughed out loud when I was watching the episode because it is literally, hi, hi, bye, bye. <laughs> he has business to attend to. I guess so. He's yeah. got to get to his flamenco lessons or whatever. <laughs> got to sell those pencils. Oh, no. <laughs> well, bring it back. Bring it back. I'm glad he got some more pencils uh, in addition to the roses that he could probably sell for more money than those pencils, but we're getting way off track. He needs those for throwing. Those are throwing roses. Yeah, and you have to corner both sides of the market because you don't know what's actually going to take off. The rose and pencil market, which is two sides of the same coin. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We know so much about economics. It's great. Yeah. That's why I've opened my own store, the pencil and rose store. Oh, it's going to do so well. I can't wait to show up for your opening. (laughs) Your opening and also closing, which is the same thing. Yeah, it's the same day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and your plan of having the X plus Y equals Z calculus folks come play the opening act was going to fall through. You just decided that you're just going to let it go. It's over. It's over now. I imagine those guys are probably ancient now anyway. I mean, Backstreet Boys did have a reunion tour. Ooh, was it any good? I don't know. Allie, I thought you knew everything about the <laughs> 90s. Yeah, but I didn't like boy bands, so I don't know about them. But let me tell you about the Spice Girls. <laughs> That's a hot take. Although Spice Girls, yeah. Yeah. Spice Girls for life. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want a huh. Huh? 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 <laughs> <laughs> zig a ah. We... <laughs> We have strived so far from the light of God, and by that I mean the light of the Spice Girls. If you wanna be my lover. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we have this incredibly brief scene of of um I forgot his name. My brain just completely emptied everything out. It was like, you're done, you're done here. Jadeite? Sailor Moon? Tuxedo Mask? Usagi crushes all over Tuxedo Mask. And I'm like, yeah, but Motoki? Mm. You guys share interests? Well, you know, you have to have your real life crush and your celebrity crush. Oh, is that what's happening here? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So this isn't actually Usagi wants to, like, get married to tuxedo mask because he just shows up and then leaves she wants to have the actual life with matoki all right exactly she wants stability and talks about common over there he ain't gonna give it to her no no he's not i mean he works at a pencil and rose store yeah he can barely support himself let alone a 14 year old girl the dry cleaning bill for his outfit is basically the equivalent of having a child so it's not gonna happen Mm. yeah they're totally not gonna get together I, I don't know. Apparently, Usagi gets married to Umino. Yeah, definitely. We saw it in the fortune-telling game. Oh, that's true. I forgot about the fortune-telling game. Crap. Okay, well. Do you even remember what episode we're on, Josie? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> it's like, we're in like episode, uh, boy, it's, we're watching Rama one half, right? That's what's happening? So Rama is, he turns into, uh, 
Right, Sailor Moon. So <laughs> we are in like episode 1.9 of Sailor Moon, and I am a hundred percent fully invested in this love triangle that is happening. And by that, I mean I am Team Matoki for life. We'll see about that. Will we? I'll see you in court. <gasps> Objection. <laughs> There's Judge Judy being like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't try to sell me this relationship with Matoki. <laughs> don't try to sell me a rose and tell me it's a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, back to the... We have to talk about the show. We have to actually talk about Sailor Moon. All right? We're so close to the end <laughs> yeah. of the episode. That, that, that was the whole point of this, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll do the Judge Judy podcast. That'll be podcast number six. We're gonna start our own <laughs> podcast network. Yeah, who who needs somebody to start the podcast network for us when we can just do it ourselves? Oh, poor Josie, we're giving you so much editing. Oh, I didn't realize I was editing all of it. Well, I'm gonna jump out a window. Do a flip. Sailor Moon is reminded to throw her tiara at the Medusa, and instantly the Medusa turns to dust. And Jadeite is pissed for like a second. And apparently the Medusa's name was Balm. I think the characters need to start wearing name tags. Yeah, especially unimportant side characters that nobody cares about and die in the episode. Well, yeah, because if we don't know them, how are we going to update our wiki? Oh, I don't have to do the wiki too, right? (laughs) No, that's okay. Uh, That's what we will, um, uh, we'll hire somebody. We'll load that off on the fan base. We will... Fiverr? (laughs) No, I said no Fiverr ads. (laughs) No free advertising. If they want it, they have to pay. (laughs) You know, I hope Jedi gets better at getting powers. He just... He can't collect them. No. Are we assuming that Beryl still didn't get any of this power either? Well, it dissipated. Yeah. Why does Beryl trust Jedi to do anything at this point? I don't know. Like, if he's not bringing any power in, what energy is the Negaverse running mm. on? I, I have to assume, like, peanut oil. It's one of those things. <laughs> For some reason, Jedi is still on the payroll. He's still getting work, but it's only episode two. Mm. Maybe he falls off a cliff after episode two. We will find out. We cut back to school the next day. And Naru is recounting to Umino all the reprehensible shit that he did. Yay! (laughs) And suddenly, in that moment, in that brief fleeting moment, he is extremely relatable again. Because he says the line, All that is left in my life now is despair. I mean, you have to feel bad for him because he was forced to do all this stuff that is completely out of character for him. Mm -hmm. And then he has to deal with the repercussions of all these people having seen him act that way. Right, but instead of that being the case, we get an almost apology from Umino to Usagi, and the show plays it off for laughs that he and everyone else involved will face zero repercussions for the way they acted. Yeah. And I get that in the fiction of the show, the kids were mind-controlled and aren't at fault, but I will say that this does a great job preparing the viewer for exactly what happens in the patriarchy in real life. It's true. This, unfortunately, is just another example of the way that our institutions have failed us. Thanks, Sailor Moon. And, oh, she trips at the end of the episode. Ha 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 ha, hilarious. (laughs) I want to get to the question, did we like the episode? And I think I'm going to start with Allie this time. What did you think of episode two of Sailor Moon? I thought that it was very on brand for this moment that we're having for the reasons that we've already kind of touched upon. That, unfortunately, uh, It is pervasive in our society to think that these types of jokes are funny when they're most assuredly not, because I can be a buzzkill too. Good. Was there anything that you did like about it? (laughs) I loved the tarot cards. Oh, yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I really appreciated how you get a little bit more time with Naru, because... I think that she is a very underrated character, so it's always nice to have her take point on things. Agreed. So, you know, overall, boo to the patriarchy, yay to girl power. Put that on a shirt and ship it. (laughs) What about you, Cass? You know, I like Usagi going around having a nice time with Motoki, and her dad is carrying the groceries, and she's like, oh, this is what I want to have in the future, to be loved by a nice, normal human being. But I didn't love the bit so much where they're like, hey, boys, creep on women and, you know, touch their 
underpants and stuff. Yeah, it's funny and not at all gross and horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt really bad for the teacher whose name I forget. I'll just pretend that she's Kurama from Yu Yu Hakusho. Yes, buy into my fantasy. (laughs) Haruna Sensei, god damn it, know her name. Say her name. Haruna? Haruni? Yeah, Haruna. Haruna Sensei. Yeah. Anyways... I felt really bad for her because it's hard when people are mean to you and touch your underpants and trip you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to pretty much echo what everybody else said. I think the episode was entertaining when it wasn't being gross and awful. Also, the combat scene at the end was so tacked on. It was like a formality, you know? Mm, yeah. It just It was so fast. It was over so quickly. It was all the same stuff as before. And maybe... I don't remember that being the case, but I don't, I I don't know. I feel like the show changed it up sometimes and had interesting conflicts and maybe the stakes get higher when there are more characters involved, but, um. Well, you have to remember too, the mm -hmm. Deke dub cuts out a ton of episodes. Yeah, true. Right. True. It's it's like Sailor Moon's greatest hits. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they took out a lot of repetitive episodes and kept the quote unquote good ones. Right. I mean, on the upside, I agree with you, Cassia, 100%. Mm-hmm. I love the scenes with Usagi and Matoki and her dad. Yeah. I enjoy when the show is showing us what positive masculinity can look like. That's really nice. And I have a new OTP in a show that's 30 years old. So, you know, overall, overall, I think it's an okay episode. It's probably skippable, um, depending on how much Matoki plays into future plot lines, which I, I hope is a lot. I hope that they get married, <laughs> but I get the feeling that's not happening. <laughs> We have talked about what we think about the episode, and now we're going to get into the podcast segment that is Sailor Moon Says, because we do not, in this version of the show, have an instance of the titular character telling us how we should be living our lives. Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Uh, Each of us is going to give our lesson that we learned from this episode. So, I will go first, because, as always, this is my segment. Sailor Moon says... (laughs) Moral number one. If you want to impress someone you have a crush on, wait for them outside the establishment where they work. If you meet up with them while they're doing customer service, they have to be nice to you. Otherwise, they could be fired. Are they smiling because they're contractually required to do so, or because they're in love with you? Why not assume the latter? A boy I see all the time likes me? Could it be him? Nothing is more romantic than a gross imbalance of power. Woo! Sailor Moon says. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so that is my Sailor Moon says. What about you, Allie? What did you get out of the episode? Moral number two. Start reading tarot. If you've been on Instagram or TikTok within the past year, or if you've been alive since the 1960s, you know that's where the money is at. It doesn't matter if you know what the cards are supposed to represent, or if you even know how to read people to bilk them for everything they're worth. You gotta get those big influencer dollars while they're hot. Why have people go to an actual therapist to resolve their problems when they could go to you, who just has a bunch of cards with drawings on them? Exactly. Just look to the stars and you will get better. Stars know. They know everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're They're always always watching. watching. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. Thank you, Allie. You're very welcome. What about you, Cass? Well, Sailor Moon says... Moral number three. If you're looking to get a service, you should never, ever, ever go to a legitimate business. Always try to find the weirdest sketchy guy down the back alley... Because obviously, they know what they're doing way more than a legitimate business, and you'll get a good bargain and probably won't get murdered. Got some rare things on sale, stranger. Yeah, definitely yeah. trust trust the back alley stick guy. He knows. He wasn't given <laughs> anybody cloud cards. He just was given out sticks, as many sticks mm-hmm. as you wanted. That's absolutely true. And to children, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean... Sticks are for everybody, okay? That might be the best lesson to take away from this episode is sticks are for everybody. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but I need to go and get some sticks myself to help Mm. take the edge off of this episode. Yeah. 
Sounds good. I'm ready for my chicken nuggies. <laughs> Nugs. Perfect. Allie, would you mind letting all the wonderful people out there know where they can find this and uh, all future episodes of our podcast? Certainly. We will be available on our website at they'renotcousinscast.com. We are also now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and your favorite alternative player that I haven't put online uh, via RSS. If there's another player that you would like me to have added, go ahead and drop us a line on our socials. Follow us on as at NotCousinsCast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube because I finally unified all of our handles so that way it's easier for me to say. Oh, yay. I know, right? You can also just shoot us an email at they'renotcousinscast at gmail.com and we will get back to you. Great. Uh, we'd like to thank Zach Miao, who wrote and produced our theme music. You can find him on iTunes and Spotify. He has a ton of really amazing tracks, so please go check him out. And that is it for our show. We'll be back next time, and I really hope that you'll join us. I'm Josie. I'm Allie. And I'm Cassie. And we may not know everything about Sailor Moon, but we do know they're, they're, they're not, not cousins. cousins. Gotta work yeah. on that, guys. Yeah. One of these days. One of these days it'll happen. <laughs>